This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I was thinking uh, actually early this morning about uh, in May uh, of this year is when I had, um, I call it a dream, it was a, a dream and then it was not a dream, but where I heard the alarm go off, and many of you probably still remember that uh, me telling about that. But it was it was like uh, on a cruise line or a battleship. You know, this thing is just going off, and it wakes me up. I'm literally asleep when this happens. So I I wake up. I still hear it going off, and I said, "Lord, uh, can I sleep a little longer?" I knew it was him, and I, I would like to say it. I was uh, just a champion, a hero of the faith, and jumped straight up, just jumped into my pants like Popeye or something, I'm ready to go. I said, no, Lord, uh, can I sleep a little while longer? And um, I laid my head down. It wasn't, you know, just about a minute. I hear the same thing again, and it's going off. This time I, I, I get up. Uh, that's when Rob and Shauna were doing their... Um, anniversary trip and everything. I'm praying. I'm praying for the, the kids, the church family, everything. And then in the middle of all that, the Lord um, just just knowing, I knew it was for the entire body of Christ, that God was waking up the church and the alarm was going off. Now, when the alarm's going off, it's one thing when it's your alarm that you set and it goes off. But when God's alarm is going off, let me tell you, it's an entirely different matter. And his alarm has been going off. And it wasn't long after that, um, a few months later, when I heard um, one plus one equal two. Now, the Lord has to speak to me real simple. One plus one equals two, and I was smart enough to say, Yes, Lord, I agree with that. <laughs> then he says it takes one to double. And I didn't quite get that. And then I prayed and the understanding came that if each of us will add one, we'll, we'll double. And after the, when the Lord gave me the dream and everything about the alarm going off, we walked into secret place prayer of preparing your heart to receive from God. Uh, letting your heart be right through through prayer, but but this when this happened, it was each one reach one has come out of that. But this morning, the Lord had me remember another dream. This is from years ago, and Ellen and I were on a cruise, and we were being chased. And um, I won't go into all the details. It's it's kind of long, but we're being chased on this cruise ship, and uh, we're running through these places, and we, we get to our room, and I happen to see on the corner of my eye, this guy who was chasing us is parking himself next door to us. He's in the cabin next to us. So, oh, great. So, anyway, the next day we get up, and we go walking on top, and just doing the, the, the ship roundabout there, walking around, and I see this man 
talking to a woman, and they're talking across the way, and then I see him push her off the ship. And I immediately ran up, and I, I'm calling one of the uh, guys who works there and saying, this guy just pushed this woman off the ship. And he's going, no, she just fell off. And I, I saw him push her. And I woke up. As soon as I woke up, I said, Lord, who's that man? And the Lord said, distraction. And he said, many have gone shipwrecked because of distraction. But what I'd never seen until this morning when I was praying was that that distraction was taking someone else's life out. And I needed to be alert. The alarm is on. Wake up to what the enemy is doing in my world where I'm at taking people out because I can stop it. And I believe that's what God's wanting us to do is to rise up and wake up and be serious about the things we need to be serious about. So last week we looked at uh, the three callings of a mission-minded church. We talked about we're called to start new lines or direct people to Christ. Called to stay in line. We're called to get people across the line. And talked about who are you in line for. If you didn't hear the message, go back and listen to it because this will tie into it. But when you understand that you're not here just for yourself, you're here for the people around you to point them to Christ, to lead them to Christ, to show them the Lord. It changes everything. You don't just come to church just because of yourself. You come because of someone else. They need your faith. They need your encouragement. They need your prayers. They need your worship. You don't just go to do your job in youth ministry because it's your duty. No, you're in line for a generation. You're not just working with kids, you're in line that they'll know Christ all the days of their life. It takes on new meaning. I don't just study the Bible for myself, I'm preparing for that person I'll meet and I have a word for them. I can minister to them. It's bigger than us, but together it's mission possible with his help, with his strength, but we have to look to him, we have to turn to him. So I want to start... This morning with uh, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 30. And uh, it'll become plain why I got this text. So I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds, and the stone walls were in, was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. So we see here we have a man who's been entrusted with a, a piece of land, or you could say he's been entrusted with a field, and he can take this field and have a vineyard, he, there's great potential here for him to have a protect, um, productivity, have a business, have an income stream, 
uh, it's a it's an opportunity, but he has to do something with it. It's up to him. He has to put his hands, he has to put some effort into it to make this thing come to pass. But notice here, where there should be grapes, there's thorns. Where there should be land that's cleared and crops planted, there's weeds. Where there should be boundaries and should be walls established, they're in ruins. Why? Was it because of an outside enemy came in? Was it because uh, the enemy hated this vineyard and this man and came and attacked him? That's not what the scriptures tell us. It was not an outside enemy that was causing this to be unfruitful field. It was what was in the man, what was in him, what was in his heart. That was what was stopping this thing from taking place. And how many like the, the word sluggard? I just don't like that name. And I always thought, well, that's just lazy. And nobody likes, you know, that term. But that's actually not what it is here. It's not actually lazy. That's not what he's, he's talking about. He's talking about apathy. Say apathy. And, and let me say this, it's interesting to me, it says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Like it doesn't take a whole lot to lose your focus, to be distracted, to lose the main thing that should be the main thing. Apathy, and the definition here is a lack of emotion or emotional expressiveness, and there's two parts to it, a lack of interest or concern, apathy. And some of the synonyms for it is emotionlessness, impassivity, numbness, half-heartedness, hard-heartedness, emptiness, vacancy, aloofness, detachment, indifference, and unconcern. That's what this word, he was unconcerned about the field. He was aloof to it. He, he was half-hearted about it. This lack of interest and in, uh, in concern, it means compliance. Disinterested. Disregard. But here's the one that really got me. Lukewarmness. Unawareness. Lethargy. List, listlessness. Aloofness, coldness, hard-heartedness, insensitivity. Then the anonyms, awareness, sensitivity, warm-heartedness, desire, fervency, passion, zeal. You see the difference, what's going on. What was happening, it was a spiritual condition in this man's heart that was causing this field that had been entrusted to him to be in ruins. His heart was numb. He was detached from it. It wasn't his concern. There was no momentum. There was no passion there. There was no desire. There was no zeal for it. And... The enemy was doing his thing in it. Because you, you see, apathy will cause you to go to sleep. 
Apathy will cause you to listen to the lullaby of the enemy as he sings to you. A little rest to do you good. You deserve a break today. And you'll listen and you listen and you find yourself asleep. But what does passion do? Passion will cause you to rise up and get up and lace up your tennis shoes and take off and get off your behind. Passion will fire you up. But how do you get to that place? Well, we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Apathy, apathy is a heart in neutral. A heart in neutral. But I want to submit to you, so it is with the church. There's areas that God has given us. There's fields that he's given us, but we're not giving that any attention. We're not aware of it. We're indifferent towards it. We're lukewarm. We're half-hearted. We're not giving our all to it. And it's not being fruitful. And what happens to us, we get our, we get our field. I need a volunteer. Devin, thank you so much. And this is your friend you invited? Come on up, friend. Just hold that for a second. Devin, come over here. Just hold this. Now, let's say this represents Devin's field. You all get a field, by the way. Everything that you need to make your field fruitful, God has supplied. You just have to do something with your field. But see, what happens many times is we get our field, and we'll look at our neighbor's field and say, you know, I like that field. I wish I had that field over there. I like the colors better or... It's just something different there. And the next thing you know, we're complaining about our field. Devin's going, man, it's just, God, when are you going to do something about my field? It's messed up. Need some help here, God. And God's going, Devin, I've given everything you need. Just take care of your field. Own your field. I'll bless what you put your hands to. But Devin's over here looking at friend and saying, I want this field, God. I want this field. And this friend's looking, well, I like this field. And see what happens, we start complaining, and we blame the one who entrusted us with the field. And we start getting upset. Or we get jealous of someone there. Man, they're being blessed over there. Look at their field. Everything they touch is blessed. What is going on here? Like God has favorites. He does, but you're his favorite. We're all his favorites. And we wind up numb, lukewarm, not realizing that God has given us everything we need. To make a fruitful field for him, for his glory and his honor. Now, since we got these two up here, we'll let them hula hoop for a second. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> Thank you.
Your field is your responsibility. A lot of people are looking for God to do something about their field, and the whole time God is saying, stop asking me for more until you take responsibility for what I've already given you. Because he's not going to do this field for you. And we all have these fields. And if I don't take responsibility for my field, if I, I have my marriage field, if I do not say I advocate my responsibility to Ellen for our marriage field, we're in trouble. Or maybe she advocates her responsibility to me for the marriage field. But the truth is, we're both in the field together. We both have to work the field. We both have to plant the seeds. We both have to do the work. We both have to pull up the weeds. We have to bring in harvest. We have to do those things together. But when we do it together, God will bless it. Unity, peace. But say, I'm responsible for the field. She's responsible for the field. Well, you know, I'm kind of numb to, you know, we're 60% good, just forget the rest. No, you better take care of that 40%. Because the enemy will use any place that you have apathy, the enemy will use it against you. So he comes. And he tries to get that 40% to 45. And he catches you on the wrong day. Or the right day for him. And the toast is burnt. And you kick the dog. And everything's going bad. And then you get in this little tussle. No. Somebody better pull some weeds out. Well, I don't have to do anything. Nothing's going to grow up. Yes, it is. Because if you are not planting in your field, let me tell you, something's still coming up. Because the enemy's at work, and there's thorns and thistles and weeds and stuff still coming up. And it will destroy your field. But it's your responsibility, your field. What you do with it is your responsibility. Because God's entrusted it to you and given it to you. About your finances. What about your debt? You can't just hide it in a little corner and just ask God, make it vanish, God, make it vanish. No. You better get you a budget. You better know that God expects you to clean up your field. It's got a mess in there. Get busy doing something. Take responsibility. Own your field. Own it. Own up to it. So we're in a mess here. But get a plan together and start walking it out. And God will bless it. He wants to bless your field. He'll bless what you set your hand to do. Instead of waiting for God to give you a bailout. He's not our government. He's a good steward. He's waiting. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to take responsibility. He wants you to have more responsibility, more influence. But you're not going to get more until you take care of your field. So you got to 
get on after that debt. You, you need to go get a J-O-B. <laughs> oh, Pastor, I've, I've had 10 in the last year. Well, you're the common denominator. Something's wrong with you. Go find out. Go to the freedom team. Do something. The Bible says you don't work, you don't eat. If we lived by that, there would some, be some people working. I guarantee you. Just telling you. Mm. What about church? We have our harvest field. You got your family field, your marriage field, kids. What about your ministry field? The gift and talents that God's given to you. You know, that's your field. That's your responsibility to develop it. You can't go pick up a, a guitar and say, Lord, teach me how to play. Pick it up five minutes. Pray. Lord, teach me how to play. Next morning, pick it up. Lord, teach me how to play. No, he expects you to get those fingers sore. Start working those strings over. To get online and watch online training. Whatever you have to do. He expects you to do something. You have to take responsibility. Wake up and own your field. That's what the Lord is saying. Wake up and own your field. Do something. Take action. God will lead you. He'll give you strategy. He'll tell you how to work your field. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the insight. But we have to take a step. This is in your notes. Stop asking God for the more when you're not responsible with the now. Everything you need to be fruitful is already given to you. This guy here was distracted. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. It's all it takes. It's just a little folding, looking the other way. I'm not going to work my field. I'll be glad when this message is over. Just folding my hands. I don't need any more responsibility. I already have enough just folding hands. I'm not going to get involved. I'm going to think about getting involved in the church and serving. Just folding my hands. Uh, that Christmas gift offering, I've heard that every year. It's going to fold my hands. Until you do something, God is at bay. Because the ball's in our court. It's in our hands. He's waiting on us. But he is sending a wake-up call. Hit your neighbor as hard as you can. No. Just turn to your neighbor and say, wake up. God is saying, what will you do to make my name famous in your field? How's your field doing? Is your field blessed? How's the light shining in your field? 
Are you touching the people in your field? What will you do today to grow me a fantastic harvest? (coughs) What will you do to give light and hope to this generation? What will you do to make a difference? Will you value what's been entrusted into you? Do you know it's actually a gift what God's entrusted us with? It's part of your assignment God knew who you were going to be around. God planned for you to be born now. He didn't make a mistake. He knew the people you'd be around. Yes, even that one you wonder where, why they're around and where they came from. <laughs> what planet? God knew that they needed to be in your field. You have the answer. You have the prayers. But I don't feel like I fit. They don't fit my field or something, Lord. They fit. Well, they test my patience. Good. You're going to have to trust God. Oh, has it come to that? You're going to have to trust God with people. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination and the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as manifest in the person is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ the Messiah. It says, this light has shone in our hearts. It's beaming forth from us. How's the light in your field? Or is in darkness. You have the light inside of you, inside your heart. Let the light out. Let the light shine. Because God's called us to raise up a fruitful harvest. He's given us a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? We have been given a ministry to evangelize our field. To reach out to our field. A pastor, they may not like me if I invite them to church. They don't like you now. They're just not crazy about you now. I might get embarrassed. You might get over it. It's somebody's life in the balance. You know, if our light doesn't shine, people go to hell. And that's for eternity. It's worth the discomfort. It's worth some embarrassment. Whatever. Because eternity is a long time. And we've got to go after those that are lost. See, God's called harvest to be a place of love. Be a house of prayer. Be a place where there's restoration. Where lives are transformed where marriages are saved, where bodies are healed, where minds are are transformed. God's called us a a place for reformation, a place for revival, a place where his name is famous, a place where hearts burn on fire for him and on fire for the lost to bring them in, to feed the hungry, to clothe the poor, to reach out to those that don't know him. And even to those that do know him, Those of the household of faith.
But we got to wake up to do it. Apathy, I believe, the reason the body of Christ hasn't grown in the United States has decreased, actually, is because of apathy. I believe we've been asleep at the wheel, lukewarm. See, a little sleep, a little slumber will ruin your life, and you don't even know it because you're asleep. But he says, wake up, O sleeper. Let the glory of the Lord rise upon you. It's a great day for the body of Christ, for the church. Do you care enough to own your field? Do you care enough to fix some things that are broken? Do you care enough to invest in God's house where it will be relevant, where it will be attractive and welcoming to those that we invite in this place, showing them the value that this is a place for them to be because we've invested in the facilities? Well, Pastor, I'm not moved by what I see. I don't think our guests are. You're moved by what you see. Just go on a road trip. Mama says she needs a restroom break. We're not going to that one. We're not going to that one. We're not going to. <laughs> There's a McDonald's. We know they're clean. Hallelujah. Get me a Big Mac while I'm in there. We're moved by what we see. And when you're bringing people in, it's extremely important. We need to own our field. We have the power to do something about it. Same power that raised Jesus from the dead resides on the inside of us. We have power. We've got the advantage. Will you be planted in God's house? Planted means you take responsibility. It means you have stuck into the ground and you're not being moved. You're taking responsibility. You're part of the solution, part of the answer. See this in your notes. If you want to grow a great life, you have to do something about it. Boy, this is deep this morning. You've got to do something about it. You've got to take action. But so the same if you want a great church. You have to do something about it. You have to own your field. I was thinking about how we have majored probably more on the side of praying in the harvest. But when you read the scriptures, it says, go ye. Go into the field. Go into the field and bring in the harvest. And God does send some in, which is nice. But he said, go. Two-thirds of God's name is go. Go. Bring them in. So we need to pray the way Jesus, he said, pray for the labors. Where are the labors? Out in the field. And bring them in to God's house. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. 
I was in prison. You came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did you see you, see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, As surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of these, these, my brethren, you did it to me. See, our job is to reach out. Our job is to do the parts that we can do where God will do the parts that we cannot do. It's time to wake up. Apathy will kill your marriage. It will kill your relationships. Kill your destiny, it'll kill your business, it'll kill your gifts, it'll kill your talent, it will kill your way of doing life. I want you to think about Jesus. He owned his field. Here's Jesus, and he's going around his field, and wherever somebody bumped into his field, if he came into uh, a, a town and his presence comes and there's demons there. You know what they did? They fled. He came in, they left. His presence comes across sickness and disease. Sickness leaves bodies. He comes across compromise. Compromise has to make a decision what it's going to do. There was no in-between. There was no neutral with Jesus. There was no hot, cold. He was hot all the time. There was no lukewarmness. There was no apathy in him. And it says that the same words he did will do. And greater works. But I'll just take the same works. About you. He walked into a situation... The atmosphere didn't change him. His field came in and changed the atmosphere. We have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead residing in us, in our field. And it should be when somebody comes around us and their field bumps our field, they go, there's life right there. And there's something going, I need to go talk to them. Excuse me, your field just bumped me. I, something happened. See, we're to bring freedom. Those that are prisoners and bondage, they're hungry. We're to bring the answer. We got the answer. We got to bring and rescue those that are in bondage. So one day, Jesus went to Father's house. And in Father's house, there's these people doing marketing, they're selling sacrifices for the worship. And they're taking advantage of the people. And when you study this out, there was people coming in late to service and they were unprepared with their sacrifice. So they would buy from these people and they'd just double the, what was worth they double it and they were just taking advantage of these people and really what was happening they were taking advantage of their apathy they could not get up and be on time even to go to the father's house and apathy 
was causing compromise that they had this set up in the church and there's people making money off of cheating people in the church. But Jesus, he comes in with his field. He doesn't go, uh, I think I'll just leave and do the back moonwalk, you know. No, he goes, I don't think so. Not in Father's house. This doesn't belong. And what's he do? He starts turning over some tables. He starts kicking some people out. He takes action. He got rid of the compromise. See, you've got to get rid of the compromise. Compromise will bring on apathy. Actually, um, apathy or that condition of heart will bring compromise into your life. It's the other way around. The condition of your heart, you'll start compromising. But Jesus took action. He owned his field. You don't put up with things in your field when you have the authority of God, when you have the name of Jesus, and you have to rise up against it. You have to open your mouth and do something. So I think about the church today. Is the church today involved in compromise? I think we can all say there's some compromise. Anybody agree? We have whole churches following things that are not even in the Bible. Unscriptural. What about people playing church? People going into places of compromise. Blending in the church. Saying things are okay when they're not. So we got to wake up from being lukewarm and hard-hearted. Because there's a lost and dying generation out there that's in darkness. And we are the light. We are the representative of God to them. We are their light. And if we don't come with the light, who is? It's our field. It's our job. But there's no greater joy than shining your light on somebody. There's no greater joy than seeing a marriage restored, than seeing somebody addicted get set free. There's no greater joy than seeing someone that was lost and headed for hell bowing their hearts to Jesus Christ, making him Lord of their life and being added into the family of God. No greater joy than see someone sick in their body, terminal and raised up by God, healed and healthy. God's heart. So much for people. And I'm going to do everything I can to get you woke up. And I'm, I'm there too. I'm saying, God, wake me up. <clears throat> Let's stand up. If you want to wake up, I just want you to raise your hands. I'm raising mine. I'm listening to the Lord. I'm seeing all this and saying, God, I need to wake up. I heard the alarm. 
Wake up, Mom. And it's time, it's time to wake up. There's too many, too many we know in our field that need Jesus. Some might reject you. It's okay. It, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be crying in heaven. I shouldn't have ministered to that person because I got rejected. It hurt my feelings for a couple days. No. I'm telling you, you can get so on fire for God and such a passion for Him, you move right past a rejection because you still see Him through those blood-stained eyes of Jesus Christ. And your love for them doesn't change. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we're all, we got our hands lifted. Wake us up. Wake us up to the harvest. Wake us up to what's meaningful for you, Lord. God, those people that came in the Father's house, they, they were looking for sacrifice to, to, to worship. They were coming to do what they said was important or mattered to them but they were casual and indifferent and lukewarm about it. But Lord, you want us to be the worshiper, us to lay our lives down as a living sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for the harvest. Thank you, Jesus. Let's put your head, hands down, heads down. Anyone here that doesn't know Jesus, you need him today. He loves you so much. He died for you. He went to hell for you. He wants you to be a part of his family. He took all your sins in every place you've ever messed up or ever missed it. He wants to give you new life. And maybe you realize this morning that you've been asleep in your relationship with the Lord. Not in just reaching others, but you just, you've been numb. And where you once had that joy of your salvation, you no longer do. God wants to restore to you the joy of your salvation. That's you. I want you to lift your hand. And we're going to pray. Yes. Amen. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, those that lifted your hands, won't the uh, elders come down? Prayer leader, partners, come on down. You raised your hand. I want you to come and receive prayer. And maybe you want someone just to pray for you. We just prayed for the Lord to wake you. But for you to step across the line, say, I'm going to receive agreement that this is going to happen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.